It's four o'clock on a Monday, and you know what that means, don't ya? It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live! Woohoo! This week, starring good stuff for new members, yeah, baby! Woohoo! <laughs> That's a very wimpy woohoo! And thank you, fake band. Thank you, fake audience. Say a quick hello to the new wonderful audience in the chat room. Hello, guys. Jay Williams, Alan Holm, Deb, uh, Deb and Keith McCall, Lucky Luck, Darren Fletcher, Marion Laird, Ed Smerone, Wendelin Landers, Dean Turner, Famousism, um, Andrea Bettino, Darren Fletcher. Anyway, hello, everybody. Um, coming to you live from... Casa Lasco today. Um, what did I want to tell you? So, welcome to all of our new members. You know, we've had so many people join in the month of March that it's incredible. I think because people finally have time in their hands to work on their music. So, uh, they're joining and they're getting ready to submit. And I want to give them a lot of tips that will help them become successful and much quicker using Taxi. And for those of you, I see many of our old friends in the uh, chat room that, uh, you know, never hurts to brush up. So, I hope all you guys are staying healthy and following the social distancing rules and staying home, except for doing food and drug runs and drug runs. I mean, stuff at the pharmacy, the actual pharmacy. Um, my staff and I've been working remotely now for more than a week, uh, and it's going really well. They're really uh, pulling it off, and I'm really pleased about that. Congratulations, staff, if you're watching. Uh, if you're not, you get demerits. Um, we've been getting tons of requests for music because so many productions have been temporarily shut down that the music licensing companies that normally don't have enough time to think about what they want and reach out to us are now like inundating us. We've got more listings in the the till ready to go than I think at any other previous point in Taxi's 28 year history. So for those of you who joined in March, boy, did you join at a good time. Um, I wanna mention that last week when I did the show, I had some bandwidth issues. I did in fact run a cable from upstairs there. If you look really carefully, you can see the cable right there coming from our loft upstairs, which is where our, uh, uh, ethernet is so i've got a 50 foot cable going to the ethernet and my bandwidth looked pretty good 10 minutes ago when i checked it hope it stays good um let's see what else do i want to tell you guys oh, i was telling the staff before you know you're working from a home office when that's the stapler that you've got to use watch i'm gonna to have to pay disney a royalty now um okay moving on so we've had a lot of new people covered that. Uh, I'm seriously gonna try and give you guys in just 90 minutes so much real world stuff that I feel like at the end of this, you're gonna walk away with more of an education, certainly about taxi and about the music industry in general. Well, you know what I'm trying to say. In the next 90 minutes, you'd probably get in four years of college. So uh, brace yourselves, get out a notepad, and you're probably gonna wanna watch this episode a second time at some point in the near future. Um, okay, so something that you should keep on the wall in your home studio. This is really important. Given time, patience, and productivity, virtually anybody can be successful. Given the time, the patience, and the productivity, virtually anybody can be successful. 
Luck doesn't affect the outcome nearly as much as persistence. People want to believe that it's luck. There's a little luck, but a lot more of it is persistence. So there is no magic bullet uh, or shortcut to success in the music industry. It takes some time, takes some effort, and takes a lot of working smartly. For more than two decades, we've seen these things in common for nearly all of our most successful members. And those things are A, they read the listings really, really carefully and make realistic decisions about what they submit in response to the request. B, they're generally more successful with new music they create after becoming taxi members than they are with existing music that they had sitting around the house, even if it's stuff that they recorded a year ago or six months ago or 10 years ago. Generally speaking, stuff that they create in response to the listings tends to work out better for them. Um, certainly better than trying to shoehorn something into, you know, it's just not a good fit, but they're going to try and cram it in because they think it's really good. And, you know, it's got one little thing about it that matches what the listing asked for. And so they think that that alone is enough to get the ball in the end zone. Probably not. Uh, C, our most successful members use the peer-to-peer -peer section of the Taxi Forum. You can find it at forums.taxi.com. That's forums with an S.taxi.com. Um, there's so much great stuff in that forum. The community that lives there is incredibly friendly. Many of them are in the chat room today. You can see them. You can meet them. You can um, probably collaborate with a bunch of them. Uh, so go there because it's a great way to road test your stuff before you submit it. It's a great way to get opinions after you submit it if you're disappointed with um, the comments from the screener. Cannot recommend it enough. Sorry, I just put on. E, our most successful members use the Taxi Forum to learn more about the industry. Making the kind of music the industry wants, the technical things like recording, mixing, how to use certain software, especially collaborating with other members who have the strength, have strength in areas that you probably or may not. You know, let's say you're, you're a great top liner, but you're not a great singer. Or maybe you're a great producer and you're looking for somebody who's a great singer. All those mixes and matches of people and skill sets can be found in the forum. Our most successful members watch virtually every episode of Taxi TV. Members tell us that they've learned more about how to become successful in the music industry using Taxi TV than they have in four years of college. I agree with them on that. If you can't watch the live show, at least watch the archives or listen to the podcast, which is pretty much in every one of the important podcast purveyor places. Um, our most successful members go to the Taxi Road Rally Convention. If you're new to Taxi, you may not know that we have a really wonderful convention every year, the first weekend in November. Um, so far this year, it looks like hopefully this coronavirus thing will be gone by then. I pray to God that it's gone by then. I think we all do. Um, so yeah, I know sponsors are excited that our convention is way down the road in November because they're, they haven't been able to go to conventions that they would normally sponsor. Um, I want to read you an encouraging post on Taxi's Forum. This is from actually from two years ago um, by a guy named Marcus Cohen. And so that was two years ago. He's so much more successful now than he was at the time that he wrote it. But you should read this or hear this. Um, hey, all. 
Who would have thought by year two, it would be so hard to get back here to offer meaning back here on the forum to help and give updates. I apologize for that. But it's also very good news. I love being able to praise Taxi for everything their vehicle has brought to me. If it weren't for Taxi, I'd still be racking my brain trying to figure out how to get more hours in the day to do more sessions. He's got a, a studio for hire or clone myself. At this point, he's been a member, he says, uh, since January 2016. We, meaning he and his mom, they actually collaborate together. Two years and published by all the major publishers in the business. Around 75% are vocal songs and 25% of those are instrumentals. Uh, well, uh, with well over 100 placements, not counting repeats, on almost 60 different shows. This is all in a matter of two years. Did they work their butts off? Absolutely. Some very recent, recent placements include The Young and the Restless, MTV Champs vs. Stars, X on the Beach, Love and Hip Hop, and The Big Show, just to name a few. Also some very, very exciting big feature films coming up. Taxi works people, use the tools properly and keep cranking out the tunes and the taxi vehicle will get you to your proper destination. Shout out to all my incredible co-writers, co-producers, and just damn good friends over here in the taxi bubble. You know who you are. I'm still drinking the Kool-Aid and happy to pass it around to anybody ready to drink from the fountain of awesome Go Taxi Cult. Now, I didn't ask him to write that. That just popped up one day on our forum. Um, you can go on the forum at forums.taxi.com and find that and many, many other success stories. So just some of the things I plan to cover during this episode. The fastest, easiest way to find uh, success in the film and TV music licensing business. The most frequently requested genres and style of music. Um, what do Taxi's A&R people look for when they listen to your music? What's the number one reason a piece of music doesn't make it past the screeners? How can you increase your chances of getting forwarded by the Taxi A&R department? Should you submit old music you've already created or, new, or create new music that's tailored to the, to the request? Um, where am I? Okay. Um, a simple trick that'll make it easier for music supervisors and video editors to find your music. Actually, it's two simple tricks. Um, what is a buttoned or stinger ending? How long does it take to hear back from Taxi when you submit your music? That's a really popular question with new members. How long after my music is forwarded to the person in the industry will it take until I hear from them? Another famously um, uh, frequently asked question. Ah, oh, the home phone is ringing. The landline, that hardly ever happens. Um, what does broadcast quality mean? What does universal lyrics mean? Um, what do country artists and A&R people need to sing your music for film and TV? And what works best when pitching for TV commercials? Now, I want to let you know, I've got about another 70 questions um, below those. <laughs> so I'm going to move at a very quick pace. I'm going to try and ignore the chat room. Sorry, guys, I feel bad. But I know if I get sucked in with you guys that I'll never get through this list. Um, so let's go right back to the top. And I'm just going to start working my way down. I'm going to have a little spot of tea before I do. got to tell you, I found a bag of Skittles in our candy jar. I ate half of the bag about a half an hour before the show. That and green tea, I'm like eh, shaking right now. <laughs> okay, 
So what is the fastest, easiest way to find success in the film and TV music licensing business? Oh man, where's my drum roll? It didn't bring it. Uh, instrumentals. Yes, instrumental cues. Now you might think, well, I'm a songwriter. I write pop, I write country, I write rock, whatever. You know what? You can also make instrumentals. And I've said this before, I'm probably gonna tick off some jazz guys because they get offended by this for some reason. But think of it this way. You can treat instrumental cues as painting houses by day because that's where your bread and butter money will come from. And you can work on your songs, your grand opus at night, which is kind of like working on your portraits or fine art at night. So paint houses by day, paint portraits by night. Both of them use paint, both of them use brushes, many similar things um, between those two things, but it's the instrumental cues that will put food on your table. And it's just a faster, easier way to break in. It helps you develop relationships with the companies that then later on you can pitch your songs to. So can't go wrong with that. Um, if you think about the math, uh, an average uh, reality TV show, I would say uses 75 instrumental cues, maybe as many as 100 on occasion. Uh, the average hour-long drama on television might use two, three, four songs. So there you go. Do less than getting a piece of instrumental music in a, in a uh, reality TV show. Um, I don't think I filled out this list. <laughs> I had uh, the most frequently requested genres and styles of music. And you know what? <laughs> I didn't fill it out. Uh, let, me, let me shoot from the hip on that. Um, hip hop. Unbelievable amounts of hip hop get requested. And I'm talking about mostly instrumental stuff, but the same thing applies to songs as well. Whatever is hot on radio or hot on, um, you know, any of the charts, online streaming services, um, that's what's mostly requested by music supervisors and by the production music libraries that often serve the, the music up to supervisors. They want what sounds current, what's on the charts today. So hip hop, um, beat driven pop, EDM, um, kind of poppy, rocky stuff. Um, sometimes country pop, sometimes country, not as much on those genres. Um, sometimes we get requests for um, like, <clears throat> excuse me, family oriented stuff, like family value stuff that could be used in Christian programming, excuse me. Um, so pretty much anything you would see in the charts or hear on uh, Spotify or any of the streaming services. Those are the most popular genres. Um, we also obviously get requests uh, for classical music, for scored stuff that would be appropriate uh, for trailers, big orchestral bombastic music. Um, dramedy is a really big genre. If you don't know what dramedy is, that's the stuff that sounds like uh, what you'd hear on, oh, I can never remember the name of that show, you know, do, 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 boop, 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 Desperate Housewives, pizzicato stuff um, that sounds comedic or mischievous. Um, so that one is frequently requested for um, reality shows. Um, let's see, moving on to page five. Oh, here we go. I had it on here. Hip-hop, beat-driven pop, simple. Oh, tension cues. 
Here's an interesting thing about tension cues. Um, tension cues could be dramatic tension, could be urban tension, could be like sci-fi tension. What are you seeing in that microscope? Um, could be elimination tension. Who's going to get the rose on The Bachelor, Bachelorette, whatever that show. Extremely popular genre. Next up, what do Taxi's A&R people look for when they listen to your music? The first and foremost things they look for are, does it fit what the listing asks for? Doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out, right? Not just the genre, but the other particulars um, that are in the listing. Um, you'd be shocked how many people submit songs with lyrics for listings that request an instrumental. Mind-blowing, but it happens all the time, every day. Um, when they ask for a buttoned or a stinger ending, which I'll tell you about in a couple of minutes, um, and people don't include that. When they talk about uh, songs, they need songs with universal lyrics, and people send in stuff that's far from universal. And by universal, I don't mean everybody in the world loves it, and I'll explain what universal lyrics are in a moment. Um, so... It's got to be on target for what the listing asked for, and the quality's got to be there. Does that mean that it's got to be recorded in a big pro studio with a 15-foot SSL or Neve console and $3,000 microphones? No, it really doesn't. I mean, I would say probably 95 to 98% of the music forwarded by taxi screeners is done in home studios. You would be absolutely shocked to know that a lot of our most successful members have what you would probably chuckle at for their home studios. They have like a, a, a very common setup. Actually, Matt uh, Vanderbilt, one of our uh, more successful taxi members, extremely hardworking guy. He's got like a mid-level iMac, um, bunch of software on it, but you know, he doesn't have like $20,000 worth of software. If I had to venture a guess, I'd say probably, I don't know, two to $5,000 worth of software that he's accumulated over years. He didn't just go out and buy it all in one fell swoop. Um, he's got a couple of two or $300 microphones. He's got a $200 MIDI keyboard. That's it. Oh, and probably a three or $400 pair of studio monitors, uh, little KRKs or something in there. And, and that's it. Uh, another one of our uh, super successful members is a gentleman named Dean Crepain. Um, Dean is kind of famous. Uh, we, we all love him and, and laugh a little bit behind his back in a very affectionate and respectful way. Dean uses some really old software, some old libraries um, for samples, but he's extremely good at using them. He knows them in Solar Library, a, a, a string library that would sound great. Uh, he's probably got like a $300 string library that he bought like eight years ago and his sounds better. Why? because he knows how to use it really well. He understands how violin players and cello players and viola players, how they play, how they bow their instrument, what their articulations are like, um, what their dynamics are like, where they're at in the mix. So knowing that stuff is actually more important than going out and buying the best sample library and get your hands on. Um, what's the number one reason a piece of music doesn't make it past taxi screeners? It doesn't match the style or genre that was requested. Again, you would be shocked. Probably 80% of all the music that doesn't get forwarded, if any of you watching this show today were sitting there at the screener, you go, yeah, that's not even close to what they asked for. 
nobody would argue, ever. It's so obvious that it doesn't match what's being asked for. And you wonder, why did this person send it in? That's about 80% of the stuff that gets rejected. So how can you increase your chances of getting forwarded by taxi um, A&R screeners? By nailing the genre and style. The listing particulars that I mentioned before, you know, uh, does it have a buttoned ending, you know, lyrics, no lyrics, vocals, no vocals, and paying a special attention to those things. Um, make a list. When you see a listing from Taxi, make yourself a little bullet-pointed list of what they're looking for and then listen to what you're going to submit and go, does it have most of those things? Because if it doesn't, it's probably not going to get forwarded. Does it have to have 100% of those things every time? No. Most of them is usually good enough, but it's also you'll build a level of intuition over time that will help you understand which are the most important things. Because eh, I can't think of a good example right now, but you'll get a sense for what's more important. You know, are there little things that you can probably let slide every now and then? Yeah, but are there some things that are really key and without them, you're not going to get a forward? Even if we forwarded your music to the music supervisor who's asking for it, they will. So here's the one thing the single most important thing I believe that will help you now two important things that will help you get forwarded. Um, one is triangulating. That's a, a phrase that I use triangulating the references. Let's say the listing has three references, which the vast majority of them do. And most of the time now those references have come right from our clients. So we're not sitting around imagining what would be good references. We ask them, and most of the time they give us references. Sometimes they give us one, we go find another one or two that match it. So triangulating the references. In most cases, not 100% of the time, but you know, like 95% of the time, the people on the other end don't want you to, they really don't want you to copy it or infringe the copyright of a reference. Um, they're looking for something that you would hear on a playlist with the references, or they want you to look at the references and go, well, you know, they're all really positive feeling. They're all pop. Um, they're all up-tempo. They all have a female vocal. Um, they all have a melodically rangy um, vocal part in them. Those are the types of things where you look for the similarities, go, oh, okay, so make a little bullet point list of those things. And then ask yourself, is this piece that I'm going to submit, does it match most of those things? If it does, you might be onto something. The other thing, which I mentioned before, but I want to elaborate a little bit now, is don't try and fit a square peg into a round hole. If you've got a piece of music, a song, let's say it's a song, and you wrote it and you love it, you think it's your best song ever, your family, your friends, everybody loves the song, and the person in the industry is looking for a song about lost love. And you've got one line in your song that says, she broke up with me. But nothing else in the song really goes down that road all that much. But you're going to send it in anyway because you think the song is amazing. Therefore, the person on the receiving end is probably going to see what a you know, creative genius you are, what a super strong songwriter you are. And you've got that one little reference buried in your second verse that kind of matches what they're looking for from a lyrical theme perspective. And you go, I'm going to send it in. 
they'll probably hear that and just go, oh, that's freaking amazing. I'm in a drawer for some period of time. And you're thinking about doing any of those things I just mentioned, forget about it. Don't friggin' do it, okay? Um, you're gonna be much better off sitting down and making that little bullet point laundry list of things they want, and then try and write something for it. And you're going, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can write at the drop of a hat. Virtually all of our successful members develop that skill over time because they're taxi members. They learn how to do it from their fellow members. They learn about it on the forum. They learn about it at the road rally. They learn about it in the chat room that I see scrolling by so quickly right now as I'm talking. Uh, Greg Vaughn uh, talking about his forward rate. Pay attention, Greg. Um, okay, so there you go. Uh, don't try and shoehorn the old stuff in because most of the time it's not going to work, even if it's genius. You know what? Can you imagine an executive producer on a TV show looking for a song about lost love um, for a montage at the end of a drama, you know, where the song pretty much carries the story. There is no dialogue and the song tells the story that the script would tell if there was dialogue. And they're looking for something very specific because they need it to match that story that's in the script. And you send in your song that everybody thinks is amazing and it might very well be the most incredible song ever written. And, and your recording and production, everything about it is just aces. But do you really think that the executive producer is gonna go, hold on everybody, we've gotta rewrite the script and reshoot that scene and re-edit that scene because I found a song that's so good, we should change everything so that all those other pieces of this TV show work around the song. Nope. The song is actually there to support the scene. The song is there to help underscore the emotion, support the emotion, bolster the, the emotion. That's what it's there for. It's a supporting character. It's not the star. So there you go. Um, let's see. Wow, I'm making good progress. Gotta say. Must be time for another sip of tea. Um, oh, is there a simple trick that will make it easier for music supervisors and or video editors and even music library owners to find your music? People who are experienced taxi members absolutely know it. And that's why our successful members, it's one of the things that makes them successful. So what are those tricks? The first one is learning how to tag your music. You know what? A tag is just information that is digitally attached or data. Let's call it information. Sounds a little less clinical. Um, there are other taxi TV videos that, that go into more depth on how you should um, get this information attached to your song. But the things that you absolutely have to have in there are your name, um, any other co-writer's names. Um, you'd be wise to have the split. Let's say there are three co-writers and you each have an equal share, 33 and a third each. That should be in there. Bob Smith, Tom Jones, uh, Ralph Murphy. See, Ralph, I love you. Even though you've passed away, I still think about you. <laughs> Old friend of mine. Um, songwriting hero, by the way. Anyway, uh, if each of you were a co-writer, you would each have a third of that. That needs to be in the, in the tags, in the metadata, as it's called. 
um, your contact information. You would not believe how many people submit music to the industry and don't provide contact information. Now we do, when we forward your stuff from Taxi, we include all that stuff. Um, and if all else fails, if they love something and they can't track you down, they're just gonna reach out to us, we'll hit our database, we will find you, we will connect you. But it's shocking how many people don't include their first name, their last name, the writer splits, uh, their phone number, and their email address. Um, probably a good idea to include the genre, although I find that a lot of people can't really um, objectively state what their genre is. If they may get it wrong, they may guess. Um, so sometimes that can hurt you if you get it wrong, although Taxi actually, um, because we've run a listing for a particular genre, they know when they get material from Taxi, let's say they get 22 pieces of music forwarded uh, to them from Taxi, they know what the listing was for, they know what the listing said, and they know the genre of any, everything in that pile. But you need to have that information attached to your music because they could very well park it on a, in a file on their hard drive, on their desktop, and two years later, we've actually had one that happened seven years later, somebody looked at a file, saw an MP3, and actually... The other thing that you can do to dramatically increase the probability of success with your music is titling it well. Please don't ever send music in with the title that makes it easy for you to know what it is or find on your computer, um, you know, like uh, Bob Song, Mix Number Three, Saturday Night, V2, uh, Vocal Plus Two. We get stuff like that every day. Don't ever, ever, ever send music or titles like that with your music to anybody in the industry because when they see it, they know you don't know your way around the industry. And it's a sad fact, but it's a true fact. People in the industry don't want to work with, I'm trying to find a, a nice word, with dum-dums. <laughs> and that wasn't all that nice. But they don't. They don't want to deal with inexperienced people because they're moving very quickly at all times, especially in episodic TV where they've got a week to turn stuff around, sometimes a matter of a day or two. Um, they don't have time to reach out to you and have you go, well, I don't really understand the, the nature of the deal. Uh, I don't understand this, I don't understand that. So by you titling your song poorly, you've just raised a big flag that says, I'm a rookie and if you use my piece of music, I'm probably gonna drag you through the weeds a bit and become such a pain in your butt that you're gonna be sorry you ever met me. Don't be that person. Titling your music um, so that they can actually find it is one of the great little secrets. Um, and here's an example, and I'm doing this shooting totally from the hip. Let's say that you're doing an instrumental piece of music, um, a surf tune, okay? You know, kind of a, oh gosh, what was, uh, Wipeout, remember the song Wipeout? So let's say you're gonna do something with, with a Fender guitar, it's roughly in that genre of Wipeout. Um, what would you call that? I would call it something like Silly Surfer or Surf's Up or Surfing All Day, um, um, Catch a Wave, any of those titles. If you are a music supervisor and you're working on a scene 
working on a particular piece of music that you need to lay in a scene. Right now, the scene is in front of you on your computer and you've got to lay a piece of music in and you need something that sounds surfy. And you're going to go into the instrumental thing. You probably have somewhere on the order of five to 20,000 pieces who may or may not have musical chops. They may not know the names of genres, but if they need something for a scene about, you know, a couple of surfer dudes heading to the beach or the Kardashians are at their house in Malibu, whatever the case is, and they want surf music, and if your piece of music is called Surf's Up or Surf City or, you know, Catch a Wave um, or Longboards Rule, any of those titles, if they're going down that list, bing, that's the one that they're going to latch onto with their eye and that's the one they're going to play. Now, you won't be the only person that knows that trick. We've taught it to a lot of our members over the years. But, you know, there could be 500 tracks that are potentials, but there may only be 13 that have, um, you know, a, a surfy sounding title. So think about, obviously, not just for surf stuff, but for anything you title. Um, Let's say you're doing an introspective instrumental piece, something that we, you would use, um, let's come up with a hypothetical scene. Somebody just comes back from a funeral and they go into the person's room whose funeral they just attended and they're looking at some of the curios in that room and they're thinking about times they had together, um, looking back on the life and thinking about how they're gonna miss this person. So obviously the, the music supervisor, the editor, the director, or the executive producer is gonna be looking for music that is reflective, um, introspective. So you might name your piece Thinking Back. Um, I'm stumped. <laughs> Thinking back, there you go. If you're one of those people and you're looking at a list of potential pieces of music to use in that scene, I mean, don't call it introspective instrumental number one, but you could call it thinking back. That's telegraphing to that end user what that piece of music is going to sound like and what kind of scene it would be appropriate for. Rather than, you know, they don't care what genre, they care about What's it going to do for my scene? So make it easy for them to find it, easy for them to want to use it. Okay, what is a buttoned or stinger ending? Back in my day, in the mid-70s, and or Fleetwood Mac is going to be here, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, they would talk over long intros. They would talk over long fades. Not the case anymore. And in the case of instrumental music in particular, but this also applies pretty much to songs as well, they want a non-faded ending, something that ends on a boom, on a beat, um, goes back to the root chord most of the time um, and ends on a beat. Why? Because they're gonna use that as they're out at an edit point. And so I use this example all the time, I'm sorry, to the folks who watch taxi TV on a regular basis. You've heard this a bunch of times. But let's say you're a reality show editor and you're working on an episode of, guess who? The Kardashians. Um, and Kim can't get the cap off the milk container. Gee, where have we heard that before? She gets frustrated. She storms out of the kitchen and you're hearing a piece of dramedy music that is dramatic and comedic at the same time. And she walks out of the kitchen and goes out the front door of the house and she slams the door. 
boom. And as the door slams, you hear a bump, and there's the button or sting or ending. Some people call it a sting. Some people call it sting out. Um, and that's the out of the scene. And then the next thing you're going to see, you're going to see is, let's say, her opening the door on her Ferrari. So, boom, you need to start the next piece of music on that beat of that door opening up. So, you're probably not going to want something that fades up. You're probably not going to want a 30-second intro. Maybe it's something that goes boom, bam, right into it because it makes it easier to use on a cut like that. So there you go. That's what a buttoned or stinger or sting out or sting ending is. And by the way, you got a bonus on that one. Don't do long intros. Really short intros, no intro at all, or maybe just a boom, boom, bam, right into it. You can tell I don't play drums, right? You're right. Um, how long does it take to hear back from Taxi when you submit your music? It's shocking how many people don't read this stuff on our website, but I know people don't like to read. It's time consuming. Guess what? Got plenty of time in your hands this month. Um, how long does it take to hear back from Taxi when you submit your music? Well, today is what, March 30th? Let's say that you're going to submit as soon as the show is over for tonight. And you're all excited. Man, are you excited. And you're thinking, wow, Taxi's got their music. They've probably got five people huddled around a computer just waiting to hear that awesome piece of music I sent. No, that's not how it really happens. Generally speaking, there are a few exceptions, but generally speaking, we don't start listening to the music until the deadline is passed. And generally speaking, depending on the quantity of submissions that we get in, it's going to take us a little time. We don't, you know, let's say, well, I'm going to give you some numbers. Um, something that is like, you know, speed metal, we might get 24 submissions. Um, country, we might get 334 submissions. Um, Instrumental drones, serious instrumental sci-fi sounding drones might get two, three, four, five hundred submissions. So it depends how many submissions we get for stuff. And that determines which screeners we put on it. Obviously, we put screeners on it that are adept at that genre. Um, and we pick a number of screeners. It might be one, it might be two, it might be three screeners, depending on the quantity of music that we have and depending how quickly we have to get it to the person in the industry. So what we say about how long it will be is that you're going to hear back from us, generally speaking, with very few exceptions, within three weeks after the deadline has passed. Not from the day you submit it, because you might submit it a month before the deadline. And I know it's killing you to know that it's sitting there on a server somewhere. Please, somebody listen and tell me, did I pick the right piece of music and send it in? I'm sorry, but we can't say, oh, we're going to listen to Bob's music today and Timmy's music tomorrow and Evelyn's music the next day. We got to have it organized and done in batches. Otherwise, the screeners be coming in to screen one thing today, something two days from now. You get the idea. So it is within three weeks after the deadline. Believe it or not, I think I'm getting this number right. I think that there are 16 steps that a piece of music from the time that we actually, from the time that we first get the email or phone call from the person who's running the listing 
until the music uh, or the notification if you've been forwarded or returned and the person in the industry gets the music, I believe is 16 different steps. Uh, it's extremely complex. Um, there's a lot of computer stuff, uh, database -y kind of stuff going on in the background. A lot of people involved, a lot of processes involved. The thing ended or the day after the listing ended, which is probably more realistic. Um, they'll probably get through those 25 that day. But it still has to go into a queue where we do quality control to make sure that the screeners are doing their job well. We look at the listings to make sure that they're sending, I mean, look at the critiques to make sure that they're giving you valuable feedback. Not too many misspells or typos. Um, all that stuff. So, like I said, I think it's 16 different processes. And, oh, then we got to batch the music. Then we, uh, we put it into Disco, which is the system that we use to send it to them. Um, we have to make sure the metadata from Taxi is correct. All this stuff that you guys don't know anything about or hear about or see goes on. That's why it takes three weeks. Sometimes it might take a little longer. Could it be that the screener who's assigned to it um, is on tour and they got stuck in Italy because of the coronavirus thing and they can't get back to screen the stuff? So we've got to set them up to screen it remotely from their hotel room in Italy? Yeah. Um, do they have a floating IP address, which means it could change every three or four hours while they're in that hotel room in Italy? Absolutely. All kinds of little problems can happen. On occasion, they do. If something is going to go much longer than the three weeks, we'll generally send out an email to everybody who submitted saying, sorry, we've had a little hiccup. We will first notify the person in the industry and say, are you okay if we're a little late on the delivery? And they'll say yes. If they say no, then we'll assign another screener to it, blah, blah, blah. We punt. Um, we're really good at that, actually, you know, figuring out um, alternative ways to get the job done and get it done well. So there you go. Three weeks from the deadline date, not the date that you submit. One of the other most frequently asked questions that we get is, how long after my music is forwarded? How long after I get that forward notice is it going to take for the person in the industry to tell me if they're going to use it or not? I feel for you. I really genuinely feel for you. I used to make records. I used to work on demos from people. I would send the demos to A&R people. And it was like, um, as I often say, because I'm a child of the 70s, it's like waiting for your Coke dealer to show up, you know, waiting to find out, is that piece of music going to get used? Guess what? They are not going to let you know if they're going to use your music. Oh, no, if they're not going to use your music. Why? Because let's say we forward them 41 things. And they've picked one of the 41. It could be that they pick something from another source that they use as well. It could be that they don't use any of the 41. But let's say that they use one of the 41 that they got from Taxi. Are they going to shoot out an email to 40 other people saying, hey, I got your piece of music from Taxi, and although it was really nice, I couldn't use it. That would be wonderful. That would be a nice courtesy. They do not have the time. If they did that, imagine how long it takes to send out 40 emails. And you know what they're going to get? 40 responses from everybody they sent that email to. Why didn't you use it? Because it just wasn't right for the scene. I've got other stuff. Would you like to hear that? I've got rock. I've got pop. I've got country. 
Why no, we've already done the scene and moved on, but thank you so much. Well, can I send you stuff for future consideration? No, actually, I needed to be filtered by somebody like Taxi before it gets to my desk, but thank you very much. Are you sure? So literally like 40 people would try and have those conversations. That's why they don't reach out. It's just a bad use of their time. It invites problems. They are working in a world that operates at a very, very, very fast pace. The last thing they need to do is complicate anything, uh, invite anything in that's going to complicate their process and slow them down. So sometimes people hear back. We actually have had cases. We get them, I don't know, maybe 10, 20 times a year where we forward stuff or we send out the forward notices to the members and 10 minutes later, uh, or no, first we send the music to the person in the industry and 10 minutes later we send out the forward notices to the members. Sometimes, on occasion, pretty rare occasion, people will actually get contacted by the music library, by the music supervisor, whomever, before they even get the forward notice from Taxi. But please don't wait for that. The chances of it happening, not that great. Um, like I said earlier, we've had people that got contacted seven years later Typically, and I hate to even give a range, please don't hold me to this. Please don't call up my staff members when this doesn't happen for you. I'm just giving you this as kind of a loose example. It's a range. Can't guarantee it by any stretch of the imagination, but I will know that's a torturously long period of time to wait. Sitting there, I can just see you sitting by your phone, checking your emails, checking your texts, checking uh, your, your computer all the time. That doesn't make it happen any faster, trust me. <laughs> We've all been there in one form or another. Um, it happens when it happens. And most of the time, you're not going to get reached out to. That's just the way the real music industry works. They're not in business to make you happier. They'd like to. They're generally speaking incredibly nice people. Almost all the music supervisors and music libraries I personally know, uh, owners that I know, they're all musicians. They all are passionate about music and, and almost to the person. They're super nice people. They just don't have the time. So they're not going to reach out to you and you're only going to find out when they use it and it's going to be weeks, months. Not, it's not unusual for it to even be six months or a year or 18 months. The good news in all of that is if what Taxi forwarded to them is largely on target for what they asked for, they may use the first thing that they happen to hear in the list. And no, we don't, um, we don't pick favorites. Sometimes we will pick the thing that we, if there's something that's a standout that we think really truly nails it, undeniably so, we'll probably put that at the top of the list because we want to make a good first impression. But we don't take, you know, like, people that we know really well um, and put them at the top of the list. The music has to be great to go to the top of the list, okay? And nothing on the list isn't great. So it's a matter of degrees of great. If yours is the greatest and the most on target, it may make it to the top of the list. They could potentially hear that one and go, done. I played it against picture. I showed it to my executive producer. We all love it. We reached out to the creator of that music. Um, they're willing to do the terms that we're asking for. It's a done deal. But they know that that folder full of music that they got from Taxi, there are some other gems in there. The day is going to come 
when they're going to need that style again. They're going to keep that folder on their desktop. Are they going to call you up and say, hey, Joe, I've got your music in a file on my desktop. Maybe two months from now, another episode is going to need another song in that genre, and we don't want to use the one that we used in this episode, so we're going to go back to that. But you know what? Our members came up with a phrase years ago, to the point they actually made T-shirts and bumper stickers. The members came up with this, not us, which is write, submit, forget, and repeat. The premise behind that is just keep filling the pipeline. Don't sit there and wait for that phone to ring and that one thing. You can even submit that same piece of music to other listings while it could potentially be in play with that first company or first music supervisor. Whoever, you know, don't hold off on submitting something because it's been forwarded elsewhere. Whoever reaches out to you first is who's going to get it. You want it in as many hands as you can possibly get it. So don't make the mistake of getting too precious and hanging on to something um, and not submitting it for other perfect opportunities because you're worried that that other person may reach out to you a week later, a month later, a year later. Don't do that. Um, what does broadcast quality mean? Well, it means a range of things, but if I had to kind of generalize and tell you what it means, it means it's good enough to be broadcast. Uh, it could be like a Bob Dylan-esque kind of song that's just a guitar vocal with a guitar that's slightly out of tune and a vocal that's kind of raspy and you can't understand the words all that well. Now you know why I don't do stand-up or imitations or impersonations. Um, but it's still broadcast quality if those attributes sound like a Bob Dylan song would sound. Now that same auto-tune guitar on something that is a pop ballad would hold it back from being forwarded. That would make it not broadcast quality because the guitar is out of tune enough that it's noticeable. You wouldn't want to put that on the air. Does everything have to have spectacular, you know, pristine digital recording? Hell no. We have seen stuff get forwarded from taxi and get used in TV shows and movies that literally sounded like it was recorded with the built-in microphone on your laptop from four feet away in a fairly live room. I know it sounds ridiculous, but it sounded right for the texture. Really lo-fi crappy recording. That same recording would be totally inappropriate for a pop song or a jazz piece or many other styles of music. So what is broadcast quality for one thing might not be for something else. In summation, broadcast quality means that in the context of what that listing is asking for, it's something that they could put in a TV show or put in a movie or put in a commercial. It's broadcastable. There, I just invented a word for you. All right, what do universal lyrics mean? Wow, a lot of people want to know. Oh, look at that. There's my front door. I promised myself I would keep my head right there in front of the front door all day. I tried hanging a towel, didn't look good. Tried hanging a blanket, didn't look good. So what is broadcast quality? Gotta tell you, one of the best descriptions I've ever seen is in this book by Robin Frederick. If you're new to taxi, Focus, camera, focus, come on. 
If you're new to taxi and you haven't heard about this book, um, I am the publisher of the book and I do make a couple bucks, but I'm the only publisher you'll ever meet that says, if you read this book and you don't think it was worth the money that you paid for it, send it to me in resellable condition and I will personally refund every penny you paid for it. This book has so much valuable stuff. Oops, I'm sorry, I'm holding up the wrong book. <laughs> that book is also great for songwriters in general. This is the only book on the planet Earth that talks about songwriting for film and TV, which is very different from songwriting for like country records or pop records, what have you. There's some similarities, but songwriting for film and TV is different, and this book explains it. And it talks at great length about universal lyrics. <clears throat> if any of you guys in the chat room have either of these books by Robin Frederick, oh, there you go. Linda Colm is saying, this is a great book. Thank you for saying that, Linda. I agree. That's why I published both of them, because I wanted people to have these incredible tools. Robin Frederick writes books that make you feel like she's sitting there next to you, hanging out, waiting for you to turn to her and go, Robin, what's a universal lyric? And she will tell you. Um, so universal doesn't mean, oh, everybody in the world will love my lyric. It's not talks about being with your family on Christmas is only good for a Hallmark movie or a Lifetime movie of the week or a film or whatever, a TV show. That's about being with your family at Christmas, right? So you've limited yourself and you've limited a publisher who's going to sign it because they can only pitch it for Christmas. But what if you had a song that was just, it's great to be home. It's great to be with family. Just broader, more generic, more universal thoughts that could be used in many more applications. Publishers love that because now instead of just pitching that song to Christmas stuff, they could pitch it to a song about somebody or a show about somebody who was kidnapped and after four years finally found their way home and the song about coming home. There you go. Now coming home for Christmas wouldn't work unless the kidnapped victim came home and it was Christmas time and the tree was up in the living room, right? So universal lyric means that it um, avoids specific mentions of names. Doesn't talk about Bob or Susie or Kathy. Um, places doesn't talk about I was standing in front of the Eiffel Tower at Christmas time because that makes it pretty much unusable unless there's a scene about the Eiffel Tower at Christmas time. So it doesn't talk about names, specific names, dates. Um, Fourth of July can only be used for something in Fourth of July. Um, places Eiffel Tower cover that names, date, places, times, you know, um, a sunny morning probably squeaks by, actually might actually be good. You know, um, it's a sunny morning TV commercial stuff. Um, but it certainly couldn't be used in a song or in a scene that takes place at nighttime or isn't in the morning, right? Um, you also don't want to include brands. I put on my Nikes to go play some basketball. Uh, can't use that. Um, and profanity. Damn it, don't use the F word in your song. Even if you're hip hop guys, I mean, most people want clean versions of songs. They don't want the SH word. They don't want the F word. They don't want anything sexual or vulgar most of the time. There are exceptions to that. There are some really like 
streety movies, you know, with a bunch of bad guys. And they may actually use hip hop with the F word or other forms of vulgarity in there. But you better darn well have, notice I said darn well, not damn well, the way they want to lay the song and the timing of how they've laid the song in in a particular scene, maybe that profane word is right where they want to use it. So they may just cut in a section that has the substitute word instead of the F word. Maybe it's flowers, another kind of F word. So there you go. All right. Moving on to country music um, and pitching in Nashville. What do country artists and A&R people want to hear in your songs before they would be interested in cutting it? And the answers are conversational lyrics. They love authenticity. Something that sounds like the singer is talking to you when they're singing the lyric of the song. It's not about somebody over there. It's about them talking to you. Makes it very relatable. That's one of the hallmarks of great country songwriting. The other hallmark is giving lots of visual detail. As my dear departed friend Ralph Murphy used to say, invite the listener in. What does that mean exactly? Invite the listener in. Well, um, by giving a lot of details, like um, I walked into the room. Now, remember, this isn't for film and TV. This is um, country songs actually are kind of the opposite of what they need in film and TV. Um, I walked into the room. Um, the fireplace had grown cold you can almost smell what a fireplace that's grown cold smells like. You get a sense that there's no warmth in the room, that somebody's not attending the logs. They're not poking the logs or throwing new ones in there. So it's told you a little story just by saying, I walked into the room and the fireplace had grown cold. First of all, it's a room that normally has a fireplace. Um, nobody's tending the fire. That means nobody's been around for a while. So you've told them more stuff without actually telling them more stuff. And that's what um, being conversational and inviting the listener in with visual details. Is it something that they could see in the room that tells them a bigger story? Why could a saxophone or a screaming lead guitar part hurt your chances for licensing your music um, and TV or film? because those two things, a screaming lead guitar and a saxophone, much as I love both of them, they will often step on dialogue and be distracting. And there's not a director, producer, Eddie Thomas was playing a saxophone there. What works best when pitching for TV commercials? Um, this is true of instrumental music and of songs. Emotionally upbeat rhythmically upbeat, fun, happy, confident, inspiring, inspirational. Um, now moving on to the lyrical side, they want more than anything, short, easy to digest phrases in the chorus. Um, for lack of a better thing popping into my head, who let the dogs out? If you were doing a TV commercial where an SUV pulls up in the front yard of a house and on the porch, somebody just poured Purina puppy chow in a bowl. And you open up the, the back of the car and a bunch of adorable little golden retriever puppies pile out of that car and you hear, who let the dog out? And now you know why I don't have a singing career. 
um, it's eminently memorable, repeatable, and it makes the point. So whether it's for fashion, whether it's for technology, think about Apple commercials. They've had some of the coolest music ever. Um, and it's usually just one little aspect of the chorus that's the thing that makes the point that the advertiser wants the viewer to feel. And that's what it's all about in advertising. How does it make you feel? I mean, that's certainly true in, in generic, you know, like film and TV stuff as well. But in commercials, they've only got 30 seconds to make you feel something. So whether it's just an instrumental piece that, again, is emotionally upbeat, rhythmically upbeat, fun, happy, confident, inspiring, um, or it's, you know, all those things or some of those things and has lyrics, short, easy to digest uh, phrases in the chorus, like loving life, um, lyrics about loving life, feeling great, having a girl's night out. Um, female empowerment has been a big one um, for the last couple of years. Um, female empowerment lyrics and those up-tempo, dancey, poppy, EDM beat-driven songs about, you know, girls' night out, great for fashion stuff. Um, so there you go. All right, uh, moving on. What's a simple type of instrumental cue that can get used over and over and over? Hmm, maybe the easiest kind of cue to make and could be the biggest earning cue that you will ever have. I bet I've got your attention now, right? It is a, you know, bossa nova, whatever. What would you hear in a scene where somebody's having a conversation in the lobby of a hotel? Right? Instrumental piano or a solo piano very well could be. Could be a solo uh, acoustic guitar, you know, like a nylon string, um, Antonio, uh, Carlos, Joe Beam, but kind of thing. No, no. Am I confusing? I think I am. Anyway, you get the idea. Anything that you would hear like in an elevator, in an upscale restaurant, in an upscale um, lounge bar kind of thing. The reason that they get used is that they are simple and they lay very nicely in the background underneath dialogue. So you've got somebody having a long conversation at a restaurant table, that piece of music is gonna play longer. You know, instrumental cues typically get used a few seconds here or there. Rarely does an instrumental cue get used in its entirety, but an instrumental, which is not laid out like a cue, it's laid out more like a song without a lyric, um, maybe little touches of melody to move it forward. That could be used for a minute, two minutes, three minutes maybe. And you do get paid in the land of TV um, performing rights organizations performance money that you get paid after the fact. The longer something plays, the better it is for you. So I encourage every new member to start thinking about creating simple, they're not looking for composer of the year. They don't want to look at a piece of music and go, wow, that person's a compositional genius. They could care less. Will it lay in under dialogue and does it have an emotion? You know, think about that. If it's emotionless, sometimes that'll work. But if it has an emotion, like, is it romantic? 
Is it sad? Let's go back to that person that has just returned from the funeral, sitting in the bedroom of the dearly departed, looking at all those um, curios around the room, remembering times they had together. That could very well be a solo piano piece. It would be reflective, would be the emotion. It could be melancholy. Uh, it could be hopeful, like I hope the person went to a better place. Maybe that one's a stretch. Um, moving on. I'm on page 8 of 12. I better pick up, covered that already. Uh, wow, I was redundant. Oh, are submissions to taxi listened to in the order that they come in? No. They go into a file on a computer, and when the screeners sit down, the stuff gets served up to them randomly. So we've had people that have said, yeah, I'm going to submit early, so I'm the first one listened to, and after they hear mine, everything else is going to pale in comparison. Not going to happen. Um, some people will title their song, you know, uh, an instrumental piece, Aardvark Dance, hoping that they make it to the top of the list because it's a double A. Not going to happen. Everything gets listened to um, randomly. So there you go. Page nine. Uh, already talked about that. Um, okay. What percentage of the submissions make it through Taxi's A&R team? That is a big fat, it depends. Um, sometimes we're shocked, frankly. You know, we could have a listing for something that's kind of an oddball thing that most people wouldn't submit to. Let's take klezmer music, which is kind of fiddler on the roof kind of music. Um, we probably won't get a lot of submissions for klezmer, but my guess is that the people that submit for it actually know what they're doing. So it could be in that case that we get nine people that submit and all nine get forwarded. Um, could be a listing looking for sci-fi drones. I think we've got one of those out there right now. And in a minute, I'm going to tell you why those are going to become super important, important very quickly. So let's say sci-fi drones. We are probably going to get somewhere over 100, maybe two or 300 pieces of music submitted for sci-fi drones. Um, they're not that hard to do. It's actually hard to keep them simple. Again, they're not looking for composer of the year. They're looking for something that makes your skin crawl. It could just be one note. It really could be. Um, maybe that's a slight bit of an exaggeration, but not that far off the mark. They're looking for stuff that's, you know, not melodic, that is more of a texture, that is creepy or ominous or foreboding, um, again, with the emotions. 250 are, in fact, exactly what they're looking for, and the quality is there. It's probably going to be something like 30 or 40 percent, which just coincidentally, one time years ago, we did a study about how many members actually get something forwarded at some point during a year of taxi membership. It was about 40 percent. Now, don't misconstrue that because I know people do and they go, oh, taxi forwards 40% of the stuff. We don't. I'm saying that when we did this study, probably back in like 2003, that we found that 40% of our members had at least one thing forwarded in a year of being a member. Now, some, some of those members might have had 
276 things forwarded. Some might have had three forwarded. Some might have had 48 forwarded. But about 40% will have something forwarded in a year. So there's the answer to that. Now, let's talk about the only good thing that is coming from the COVID-19 coronavirus. Um, obviously, it has brought a lot of sadness to the people who've lost family members and loved ones. Um, it's wreaked a lot of havoc on the economy, on the workforce, um, on people's job situations, which is horrifying. Nobody wants to lose their income because there's a virus out there, but it is what it is. So what does that mean? Well, after 9-11, did we get a lot of requests for music that would be really good for movies of the week about 9-11? Did we get requests for, and I don't mean this to sound racist, but it's just a fact. Did we get music, you know, requests for Arabic sounding music? So when they had a scene in a movie of the terrorists plotting and they had a boombox in the background, did they, you know, it's certainly not going to be a Disney princess song coming out of that boombox. So we had a fair number of requests for uh, Middle Eastern sounding music. We had a fair number of requests for like um, tension, dramatic tension music. Um, we had a lot of music for like action instrumentals, anything that you could imagine being used in a movie where people are sadly hijacking airplanes and flying them into buildings. So the minute that states started saying, everybody go home and stay home and practice social distancing. And, you know, this became a thing. It'd be like two weeks ago, it started to really become just a huge thing in our lives. I remember saying to the staff, uh, the A&R staff at Taxi, you guys, why don't you proactively send out an email to some of our favorite companies that we work with, because I want to give them first crack at this, and suggest that they start running listings now looking for things like tension instrumentals, sci-fi tension, um, melancholy songs that might be applicable for a funeral or a post-funeral scene, anything that you could imagine. Imagine, you know what? Go watch Contagion. I personally didn't like the movie, but it is a, a bit of a study in the kind of music that is going to be used. I guarantee you right now, as we are together on this show, there are at least 100 people writing scripts, at least in this town could be 1,000 or 10,000 people writing scripts for TV shows and movies about the coronavirus of 2020, um, not to make light of it, but um, there are going to be a lot of productions that are going to need music. So we sent out that email. We got some responses to it. And sure enough, within a day or two, we started getting requests from people looking for sci-fi drones. Um, what are they going to use that for? Looking through the microscope. Oh, look at that. It's coronavirus. Bomb. Think of CSI drones. Going to be a crap ton of those getting requested. <clears throat> That made my throat tickle. What does a good edit point mean? You probably see that in some listings, although we don't put it in as much as we used to because most people 
understand that that's part and parcel, especially to instrumental music that would get used in a reality show, for instance. Um, instrumental cues have an arc. They are not like an instrumental that you would have if you muted the vocal on a song. Generally, instrumental cues are somewhere between 60 seconds and two minutes long. Tells you exactly what you can expect in the rest of the cue. So it's not like one floaty little thing in the beginning for 30 seconds and then it becomes big, bombastic, and up-tempo. The intro would have to be pretty much the same kind of music you're going to get in the body of the cue if you had an intro. So you need edit points so that the video editors can find their way to chop that thing up and lay it in so that it times out well with action in the scene or with cuts from scene to scene. An edit point can be a rest, could be, you know, like a whole beat rest. It could be, boom, just a, a big fat snare hit at the end of a phrase. It could be a kick drum. It could be a tiny little rest. It could be a hi-hat thing. It's just anything that an editor could edit your music on. Because like I said earlier, the chances of them using the entire cue as, it, as you submitted it are practically nil. So make sure that you've got edit points. And this leads me to my next thing. What is an arc? An arc is a cue that starts out, builds up with layers of extra instrumentation, becomes a little more interesting, and then boom, it drops down. And it drops back to just a sketch of what it was when it was built up. Maybe it drops down to just a hip hop beat or just the drums and bass. And then that plays for eight bars. And then you bring in something else and start building it back up and you build it back up. So as it's moving forward on the timeline, you get a sense of building up, bringing it back down, building it back up even more and heading toward the finish line, which is oftentimes, and not entirely every time, but oftentimes sort of a crescendo, and then that button stinger ending that we spoke about earlier. So that's the arc, it's a developmental arc. It means that your instrumental cue doesn't just lay there like a lox, like a loop, just repeating over and over and over and over again. It's gotta have some sense of forward motion. It's also important because video editors working on shows, if they hear something they like in the first three to five seconds, the next thing they do is they look at that waveform timeline and they can actually see by looking at that if there's something other than just kind of a static level all the way down the line. They're looking for literally check throughout the queue and see what does it sound like in the beginning? What does it sound like in the middle? What does it sound like during the breakdown? What does it sound like in the last section where it's getting bigger and building towards the crescendo and then the stinger ending? Um, skipping some stuff that's a little out of date. How do you know if you're seeing all of Taxi's opportunities? Um, people often say to us, why, you guys send so many emails. Why can't you send us emails that are genre specific? I only want country. Really? Um, you wouldn't want like indie folk or you wouldn't want bluegrass or you wouldn't want country instrumental? Of course you would. You could do all those things most likely. Um, so that's why we give you all the listings, because we want you to not miss any opportunities. 
What about if you don't see an email from Taxi pretty much 363 days a year? Look in your promotions tab if you're using Gmail and look in your spam folder. Um, Gmail doesn't love the fact, and they are by far the biggest receiving ISP for emails. They don't like the fact that we send emails every day. Now, we could send out our listings on social media every day, but you'd be shocked how many taxi members don't use social media. Um, we find the listings, uh, are, are, the members are best served by getting listings and email. Therefore, um, sometimes we get dinged and we get shoved in the spam folder. You should go into your spam folder, maybe right now while you're watching the show and look and see if you see anything from Taxi, take it out of the spam folder, mark it as not spam, and then there's a way to mark it as treat all other emails from this sender as not spam. Does personal taste come into play with the screeners when they are deciding whether or not to forward a piece of music? No, it doesn't. I know people don't want to believe that, but they're not listening for them. They are actually incredibly well-seasoned, highly credentialed industry professionals that know that when they sit down to screen music at Taxi, they're not screening for what they like. Isn't that a cool song? They may love it. It happens all the time. Screeners will, you know, go into the A and R remote. You should check out a song by so and so. It's incredible. Did you forward it? No, I couldn't. It wasn't right for the listing. So that's their job. Is they read the listing just like you read the listing, and every time they listen to a piece of music, they're thinking, is it on target for what has been asked for, and is the quality there? If it meets those, a bad day, and that affects the outcome of your submission. I hope not. Um, look, I've been doing this for 28 years. For the first, I don't know, five or more years of the company, I screened pretty much every day. Um, no. Uh, you know what? It may affect how they feel about somebody that's done something dopey, like submitting a Christmas song for a Hanukkah listing. <laughs> that's a really extreme example, but that stuff happens. Might they get disgusted and just go, oh my God. Yeah. Um, might they be more prone to going, oh my God, um, because they didn't have enough coffee yet this morning or they had a fight with their spouse? It's possible. But I know from personally doing that job tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of times, I can't think of one time, and I'm being totally honest with you guys, I can't think of one time where I thought, that thing's really good, but you know what? I'm in a really crappy mood today. Screw them. No. It doesn't happen. Um, another question we get all the time is, how come I've gotten two different critiques, two different forms of feedback that point out different things on the same piece of music for two different listings? Well, there's your answer. It was for two different listings. Those two screeners, there we go. <laughs> those two screeners were listening for two different purposes. Plus, they're also two different people. One of them may really love the vocal, the other one in the context of the other listing might go, yeah, the vocal's got too many gymnastics in it. Sounds a little too Mariah Carey-ish. Um, it's not going to fly in something that's super contemporary, um, that's asking for kind of a cool, vibey, indie pop vocal. Uh, it just isn't right. And they might point that out because that's part of the reason, maybe the entirety of the reason they didn't forward it. But um, that's why you're going to get two different takes. Now, People have said, how come I've gotten 
two different critiques from the same screener. Well, because again, that screener was working on two different listings and uh, was looking through a different colored lens at that piece of music for each of those two listings. Um, if a screener is on the fence, why don't they just forward my music and let the person who ran the listing decide if it's good enough? The last thing that people in the industry want is to get a bunch of music from Taxi or any other of the trusted sources that they use where they have to listen to it and go, why the hell did they send me? Is unquestionably right for what I've asked for. Now, the exception to that is we have personal relationships with a lot of people in the industry. On occasion, we will hear something that we know doesn't really fit the listing. Um, and this is much more the case with the music library um, or an A&R person than it would be for a music supervisor. But let's, let's say this is for a music, super, or a music library. Um, might we forward a piece of music that is so spectacularly special and good that we think that that company would want to sign it, even though it's not what they're looking for today at that moment? Yes, we will do that. <clears throat> we'll include a little note. We will tell them, hey, we know this isn't what you're looking for, but we thought this is something you'd want to have in your catalog, so we're bringing it to your attention. Can we do that? Uh, let's say we're screening 109 pieces of music and we're forwarding um, 27. Could we do that five times on top of the 27? No. Is that something that I will personally do three, four, five times in a year? Yeah. So that's the reality of it, is we've got to be extremely careful about abusing that privilege of, hey, Bob, this is something we heard that's not really right at all for the listing, but knowing your catalog as well as we do and kind of knowing your taste and the shows that you work with, we think that you might want this in your catalog, so we're including it anyway. Can't abuse that privilege. Oh, no, my numbers ran out. I, not my pages. Okay, so that was page 10. Wow, I'm actually going to make the deadline. I got four minutes. Oh, uh, what happens after I sign a deal and my music goes into a music library's catalog? Again, it's kind of like waiting for your Coke dealer to show up. Um, probably nothing is the answer. If you think that they've signed a piece of music from you and that it is so special that they are going to drop everything else they're doing, which is basically serving up orders of music to people who've asked for out to the 200 music supervisors they've worked with in their career and say, man, oh man, you need to hear this piece of music. It's spectacular. They're not. It's going to go in their catalog. It's going to be filed away under a certain genre. It's going to have certain keywords that are associated with it, metadata, and then the day is going to come. Could be tomorrow, could be a week from now, could be six months from now, could be a year from now, could be five years from now. Somebody is going to reach out to them and say, I need a melancholy solo piano piece with a cello for a funeral scene, a post-funeral scene. I'm really spending way too much time on that today. Um, and your piece, because it's got the right keywords that they put in there and filed it in the right place with the right metadata, your piece is going to come up in their internal search, and that's when it's going to get sent to the music supervisor. 
So for all you know, the piece of music may not get sent for quite some time, or it might be sent 62 times in a year. But you're only generally, there are exceptions, but generally speaking, you're only going to hear about it the day that the show picks it up and uses with it, uses it. Now, if it's a reality show, they're not going to let everybody know, hey, I use this cue, I use that cue. They're going to have somebody fill out a cue sheet, which is basically a list of every piece of music used in a show with the time code associated with it. And then they're going to send that to ASCAP, BMI, or CSAC, or whatever your PRO is, depending on which country you live in. And your library owner is probably going to find out about that usage at the very same time you do, which is when your quarterly statement comes from your PRO. That's just the way the business operates. I know it's heartbreaking because it's your music. It's your baby. You put your heart and soul into it. And are they going to use it or not use it? You're going to find out. And you know what? Every single one, every one of our successful members would tell you, you got to learn to get over it. Don't get precious. Don't hang your hat on a particular or single thing. Just keep cranking out more music. Get it into as many catalogs as you can because it's a numbers game. The more, you know, the more seeds you plant, the more flowers you're going to grow. That's simple. Uh, why do listings that are looking for songs for a country artist or a pop artist say your vocals got to be really good if they're going to end up recutting my song? The reason is quite simple, because if you send in a crummy vocal, it's not going to impress them. And they're not, you know, not in, they're not looking to say it can be presented. It's the reason cars and showrooms don't have dirt all over them. They're shiny as hell. They've got beautiful lighting above them to make them look good. So think of your vocal presentation. Um, and, and it might be that it's a Bob Dylan kind of thing or a, a Tom Waits thing where you want, you know, kind of a gruff, gravelly, I don't give a damn attitude portrayed in the song. Um, that might be the right look, if you will, for the vocal treatment in that song. There may be other stuff where the vocals got to be um, a Demi Lovato type performance. Um, there are other times where it's going to be a cool kind of disassociated indie pop female vocal. It's like, I'm too cool for school, but it sounds right in that context. And you're pitching it to an indie pop artist. So you've got to have a vocal that that artist can hear and go, I can hear myself doing that. It's that simple. So that's it. Um, I hope that I've covered, I, I covered a lot of ground. I got to like 95% of what I wanted to cover today. And for that, I'm happy that you paid attention for all that time. And I want to mention something really exciting that we are starting tomorrow. And I would really, really, really appreciate it from everybody watching this show today. If you would leave this show and go spread the word. You were told about it in an email or in the newsletter that went out today. Um, an email is going out tomorrow. We are starting a new thing that's a little bit like Taxi TV because so many of us are stuck in our homes and we're missing that human contact that we normally have on a daily basis, just out in the world, at, you know, shopping and at work and visiting and going out with friends and having dinners and drinks. We are starting Taxi's daily quarantine happy hour. 
every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you are going to be able to just hang out and I am going to sit here and basically be your moderator. I want you guys, we're going to do an hour every day and it can be about anything you guys want. You can ask me questions. You can ask each other questions. Might we actually have a little libation while we're doing it? Yeah. It's a way for us to stay connected with musicians, like-minded, which is generally a lot of very dedicated taxi members, the ones who, who want to be successful. But the Quarantini Happy Hour is going to be a free-for-all. And all we ask is that everybody is polite and respectful. Anybody who's not, who's a trolley, you know, a-hole, <laughs> is going to get booted out. Um, we wanted to have the vibe that, that the chat room has here. Um, we wanted to have the vibe of the taxi forum and we wanted to have the vibe of the road rally, but in the end, it's going to become what it becomes. So I will see all of you tomorrow at two o'clock right here for the very first, the inaugural taxi music. <laughs> Let's see if I get this right. Quarantini happy hour. I'm going to have to practice that a lot tonight. Um, and with that, I thank you very much. Um, I want to know, by the way, before we go, was the bandwidth okay today? We didn't have any uh, laggy video because um, there are a couple of shows I want to do, regular taxi TVs with people, um, other people joining me on a split screen, but we've been reluctant to do them um, because last week's show we had some uh, sketchy video. That's funny. Greg Vaughn says, not great. Uh, Mary Heller says, great video. Creating Beauty says, little glitchy, little glitchy. Anyway, I actually, yeah, like I said, I, I've got myself hardwired to Ethernet. Um, so maybe if, if things, that's funny. Different people are having different experiences. My guess is it, the glitchiness may be on your end because we're, I think we're all aware that everybody is using more bandwidth, more Internet now that we're all stuck at home, working from home, watching a lot of Netflix. Um, anyway. I will see you tomorrow. Thank you so much for joining me. Please, after um, this is posted, go in and hit the like button. Um, subscribe to our channel, especially if you're a new member. Taxi TV, everybody who is a successful member says it has moved their career forward at a much quicker pace. We want that to happen for you. Thanks for watching, everybody. See you tomorrow for the Quarantini Happy Hour. See you next week for another exciting episode of Taxi TV. Bye-bye.